So our reading this evening is found on page 12 of the Church Bibles, and we're going to be reading Genesis 11 from verses 1 to 9. So that's page 12 and Genesis 11 and beginning at verse 1. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Do keep that open. Uh, Let me pray as we start that uh, God would help us. Father, thank you for speaking to us through your word. Thank you that we have the Bible to show us your character, your grace, your goodness. pray you would continue to speak that to us now as we look at it together. In Jesus' precious name, amen. So if you're new with us tonight, you've joined us as we make our way through the very first chapters in the Bible, uh, the book of Genesis. And it's been a bit of a bumpy ride so far. It started well enough. Um, We heard that God made everything, um, and he made everything to be good. Uh, And that included the first humans, uh, Adam and Eve, who were told to go out and fill the earth, uh, to enjoy it and to look after it. Uh, This is God's good and gracious plan from day one. But quite quickly, everything goes wrong. Not because of God, but because of us. Adam and Eve choose to ignore God's good plans and go their own way. And it's not surprising that the situation starts to unravel from there, getting worse and worse. Uh, murder soon follows, cruelty and brutality. It, it's pretty grim reading as you go from chapters 3 through to 10. And it's meant to be. Uh, it's meant to convict us of how wrong humanity has got it. Chapter 6, verse 5, we get to the stage where God declares... Every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart are only evil all the time. And our passage tonight from chapter 11 is one more case for the prosecution. Because if you come back next week, we come to a turning point in Genesis. God starts to fix, sets to work to fix the mess we've created. But before we get to chapter 12... The author of Genesis wants to make sure that we've really understood what we as human beings are like. That's the reason the author has saved this case for last, because it gives us, well, I want to say a brilliant insight. It gives us a brilliant insight into how our disobedience works. These are events that happened between four and 5,000 years ago, but they describe something we do each and every day, ignoring God's good plans for us. 
And this will be true for us whether we believe in God or not, whether we want to listen to the Bible or not. There is something that the builders of Babel have to teach everyone. And yet this passage presents us once again with God's character. A God who won't let us stay deluded in disobedience, but who graciously guides and governs. So we're going to look at it under two headings, if that would be helpful. We've got dangerous delusions, verses 1 to 4, and then God's good government, verses 5 to 9. So let's start with dangerous delusions. Now, it needs to be said, Babel seems harmless enough. If anything, it sounds quite good. You know, people working together, you know, working as a team. You know, we could do with a bit of that in today's world. So what is so bad about Babel? How are they disobeying God? Well, we need to remember God's plan for humanity all along had been for humans to spread out and fill the whole earth. Uh, He'd said this to Adam and Eve, uh, and then he said it again to Noah when they came out of the ark. Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. It's a pretty good plan when you think about it, as is having a PowerPoint, if you can make it work. (laughs) I mean, that is part of God's good creation, but... uh, No, oh well. (laughs) Uh, I was going to have some lovely pictures of what I'm about to describe. Just close your eyes and imagine. God is saying, imagine the snow-capped Himalayas. Then imagine, there we go. Snow-capped Himalayas. Imagine those. Look how beautiful it is. Then think beautiful rainforest waterfalls, lovely blue streams through the warm jungle. Then, I don't know, a lovely desert oasis. Look at that blue water. Imagine the dates on those palm trees. And finally, think of, I don't know, best of all, the Yorkshire Dales at sunrise. It's a good creation, God says. Go out Enjoy it. Look after it. But how have the builders of Babel responded? Verse 1. As the people move eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. And they say to each other, let us build ourselves a city. It's the exact opposite of all that God had planned for their good. It, it, I don't know if you ever had the experience of needing to go onto Wikipedia and look up something uh, and probably getting distracted and just clicking random links after random links until you've completely forgotten what it was you were meant to be doing. Uh, or going to the shops with a shopping list and then promptly forgetting what you wrote down as you, as you left the house. They've completely missed the point. They've completely lost sight of what's going on you know what, let's just, it's fine, we don't, need, we don't need to enjoy the Yorkshire Dales or the Himalayas. Let's settle here and build a city. And that's a, it's the same old story we've been seeing again and again and again in Genesis. God gives a good command and human beings disobey. Now today, the, the earth is pretty much filled. Um, you, you're welcome to go off and, you know, see, see the sights, but this is a command specifically for these bits uh, of Genesis. But the pattern is the same. God gives us good commands, part of good and gracious plans. And yet we are disobedient people. We ignore the goodness and we get things wrong. We choose to go in the opposite direction. No. 
I need to turn this off, otherwise I'm going to keep getting distracted by the Yorkshire Dales, which is precisely illustrating the, the point of, uh, of, of, of distraction. What came into your mind when we said the confession earlier, when, when Dave was teeing it up? Do you ever wonder why we do those things? Why it is that you do that specific thing? If you ever ask what it is that deludes you into thinking it's a good idea? Well, this is what the builders of Babel have to teach us. Look at me at verse 3. Look at what the builders say to each other. Why they're doing it. Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. It's going, to be, it's going to be great. It's going to be a tower that will soar into the sky, pierce the clouds, reach into the very heavens themselves. It will be the best tower, the greatest. Nothing else is going to come close. We'll get fame and glory. We will even be like God, up there in the heavens. Does that sound familiar, being like God? The whispering voice back in the Garden of Eden, promising that if you just eat some fruit disobey God's command, you will be like God. If you can only do this one thing, you will be like God. Of course, the builders don't, don't phrase it like that. We, we never do, do we? It, it all seems so harmless when we do it. But how often do we ignore God's plans because we are too busy pursuing our own? I, I was struck by just the sheer hard work involved in this. Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. You think the heat wave this has been bad this week? Babel is in southern Iraq, and they're talking about baking bricks. I looked up the Baghdad weather forecast. It's going to hit 58 degrees on Monday. And yet the builders, piling up ovens, stoking the fires, getting the bricks in so that they can be baked, so that they can get on with this magnificent tower. It's amazing how hard we will work to further our own ambitions. And and often it's a good thermometer of where our ambitions really lie. And we perhaps don't think about ambition as much as we should. And yet we're in a city that is, well, it's no stranger to ambition, hard-working pride. We may not think of ourselves as ambitions, but it taints as ambitious, but it taints the very air we breathe. And it speaks to our own vanity and pride, no matter how deep we think it's buried. As I was reading this during the week, it took me back to the autumn of 2014. Um, I just started my PhD, and life, life was looking pretty good. The world was full of opportunities. And I was being told it's important to build a reputation to take advantage of them. And I bought into the lies. I I suddenly needed people to start saying, oh, yeah, yeah, Rob Evans, he's a great guy, very clever, does lots of work for the university, you know, he's one to watch. I felt this pressing need to make a name for myself. So I set to work, building my own little babel of reputation. I did lots of very boring things. Ambition often requires you to do boring, hard work. I I volunteered for committees. I got put in charge of seminar groups. I ran conferences. I, well, I got Twitter. One of my non-Christian friends actually joked about me building a little empire, and that probably should have set some warning bells off, but it didn't. 
The more I threw myself into it, the more I was blind to what was going on. Every email I sent, every meeting I went to, every like or retweet I got on Twitter, it was geared towards one goal and one goal only, and that was the glory of Rob Evans. I was a Babel builder, and I'd bought into the lie that lies at the heart of so much unhappiness, but I bought into it all too willingly. These are the Babels that, at times, our own city, its university, is built on, and which will speak to us too. But alongside the vanity and the pride at Babel, there's something else going on. Because what's the other reason they give? Verse 4. We need to do this, otherwise we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Which was, of course, what God's plan had been in the first place. In, in other words, they're worried, guys, guys, we've got to do this. You know what might happen? God's plan might actually work. God says scatter. The builders say, really? You know, the world out there, it, you know, it looks nice, but it, it's quite scary. I mean, there's, there's deserts. I mean, jung- there's nasty things in those jungles. And the mountains, you know, let's not get started on some of the animals you've put there. All sorts of bad things could happen to us. Tell you what, God, we'll just settle down here in southern Iraq. It, it, it's nice and flat. It's, it's warm. Um, there's lots of rivers. We'll, we'll just make ourselves comfortable. Because we don't think your plans are really that good. Today, we may not have been told to go out and fill the earth, but does the logic sound familiar? Are you sure about this, God? It, isn't it dangerous? Mightn't things go wrong? And how often do these two things come together? Pride and fear and doubt. How often does pride come alongside a fear of what other people think of us? I know it did for me. Thinking back to that autumn, I was gripped by a terror of what other people would think of me. A fear of being ignored. And I did not believe that God's plans were any better. You know, God's plans in the situation were relatively basic. Things like putting others' interests before my own, loving my neighbor, simple things... But that didn't sound like it was going to work. It sounded hard and risky. No, much better for me to try and fix it my way. Lots of questions for us to ask ourselves. What Babels are we building? What are we afraid of? What will we do anything to avoid? What perhaps don't you quite believe God will provide? Or to put it another way, what's your deepest ambition? What will you work yourself to the bone to achieve? What will make you feel like you've made a name for yourself and reached the heavens? Fear and pride. Dangerous delusions that cause most, if not all, disobedience. But what does God have to say to these things, to these delusions? How does his good government come into play. Well, let's pick it up at verse 5. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The tallest tower ever built at this point in history, you know, aiming to pierce the heavens themselves. And yet what does God have to do? He has to stoop down low 
and get down on his hands and knees to even notice what's going on. Like a parent who wants to see the Lego building being built by their toddler. This is not a God quaking with fear. This is a tower that's so small, so insignificant that it's barely registered on God's radar. Now we need to be careful with the language here. Several times in Genesis we see God being described like a human being. You know, he, he walks with Adam, he, he regrets making humanity, and here he comes down to see the tower as if he doesn't quite know what's going on. But the Bible is pretty clear that God knows all things before they happen, the end from the beginning. And in fact, nothing takes place that he hasn't already permitted to take place. You know, the, the atoms that make up the builders and their bricks. You know, who kept these things in existence if it wasn't God? He, he knew what was going on all too well. But what our author wants us to see is just how not special Babel is. Well, see how pathetic it is. The big gap between their huge boasting of what they were going to do and what, in God's eyes, it's actually like. All that boasting, all that ambition, what happens to it? Or well, verse 7. Let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. Do, do you notice the echo? The builders had said, come. Let us make bricks. Come, let us build ourselves a city. God says, come, let us go down and confuse their language. Two plans drawn up. On the one hand, the plans of human pride. On the other, God's mighty and perfect government. And how do you think the story is going to end? God says, let us go down and confuse their language. And what happens? So the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth. God speaks, and it happens. Think again. Think how much effort the builders had put into this tower. Think how many days and weeks and months they had slaved away by these boiling ovens. You know, thousands of them, hundreds of tons of tar and brick. And yet God just speaks and puts their efforts to shame. Their plan had been to make a name for themselves where not one of their names is recorded here. And no one knows where this tower is. The only name they've won for themselves is Babel, which is exactly the same as the English word babble, confusion, delusion. That's the only name we have to record these builders. That's the only name they've won for themselves. When we see our own pride and ambition, God asks it, how do you think the story is going to end? Where do you think your pride and your ambition is really going to take you? Let me take you back to the autumn of 2014 and how things were going there. Well, for a start, making a name for yourself is exhausting. And it wasn't long before the wheels started to come off. Things started going wrong. And then, completely coincidentally, except God doesn't really deal in coincidences, I ended up lying in a hospital bed. I was being poked and prodded, and there were tubes everywhere. And I suddenly felt very scared and helpless. And it suddenly seemed very silly, thinking that I could build Babel, that, that my plans and ambitions could get me anywhere. God very gently and very graciously started to do business with me. 
what had seemed so reasonable and you know, part of being a dynamic modern man, it, it, it all started to seem a little bit pathetic, like a toddler playing with Lego buildings down on the carpet when it was compared to the majesty of God. God allows Babel to trundle on for a little bit, but the story was only going to end one way. And the same must be said of our Babels, our vanity projects, our ambitions, any plans we make, in fact, that do not have this God at the center. But God's government is not cruel or bitter. It is good and gracious and kind. Compare the majesty of a God who is willing to stoop so low to get down, as it were, on his hands and knees compared to the arrogance and the conceit of those who he does business with. And this brings us to verse 6. God says, as one people speaking the same language, they've begun to do this. Then, then nothing they plan will be impossible for them. You know, why does he say this? You know, does God feel threatened or worried No, God isn't worried for himself, but he knows that the tower is only going to be the start. He knows what will follow. There will be oppression and tyranny, injustice, all the horror and death you can imagine being committed by a human empire rolled into one. There will be no evil that is not impossible. And it's worth noting that when cities did start to be built in this region after Babel, some of those listed in the previous chapter. They're cities that are at the heart of empires that commit the most horrific atrocities. You know, there's a really nasty account that someone actually chiseled into the wall of their city to make a name for himself, boasting of how he had skinned his enemies alive and draped the skins over the parapets. That's what did happen. God is thinking... Think how much worse it could be if they are united in this. Because despite the evil in humanity's hearts, God still cares for his creatures. He still has our best interests at heart, even when we do not. And God simply will not allow humanity to destroy itself completely. And again, there's an echo of Eden. Why were Adam and Eve thrown out of the garden and stripped of immortality? It was so that their evil would not be permanent, so that there would be an end. It's exactly the same thing here. God is putting limits on how much damage humanity can do. And why? Because he still has our good at heart. And this means that while God challenges the proud, he will confront our every vanity and ambition. He also speaks patiently to our fears and our doubts. We mustn't miss the mercy here. These builders were acting in open rebellion of everything God had told them to do. And only a few chapters earlier, God had dealt with that with a flood. But how does God deal with the tower? Come, let us go down with fire and brimstone and wipe it off the face of the planet. No. He deals with restraint and care. Let's go down and, you know, confuse their languages. You know, when one person says hello, let someone else say bonjour. Another person, Guten Tag. You know, it, it's not, compare it to the flood. It's a very different scale. It, it's almost comical. And how does the story end? Well, verse 8, from there the Lord scattered them over the face of the earth. What had been the builder's biggest fear? Well, that precisely that would happen. 
whose plans had worked out in the end? Well, God's. But was it the disaster they thought it would be? No. God has brought great good, actually, out of all of these differences. Think of the, the excitement of discovering a new culture. You know, I struggle with languages, so I always get bogged down in just what a faff it is to learn other languages. But once you get past that, discovering new ways of cooking, new, new foods, new stories, new ways of looking at the world. Uh, some of you may know I, I used to live in Japan. I was seven when we went out there, uh, still playing with Lego on the carpet. Um, I'd been brought up in leafy suburban Surrey, and I was plonked in the middle of Tokyo. Completely different culture. Did I mind? No, I loved it. They had, they had Pokemon and, and ninjas and lots of exciting things. It was great. Something which the builders of Babel had been so scared of. Scattering, difference. God has worked for enormous good. Because this is what God is like. Working out everything, no matter how bad it seems at the time, for the best, for the good. Plans that seem to us dangerous and risky. Made by a perfect creator who knows the end from the beginning and is directed for the good. And nowhere do we see this more clearly than in the work of Jesus. I thought we would finish just comparing Jesus to the builders of Babel. You know, he didn't cling, settle down, fortified in his heavenly throne. No, he went out into the world. And when he was there, he had every right as God's son to demand glory and power and fame. But he didn't work for his own name, but for that of his father. And that meant following a path that wasn't just risky, it led to certain death. That, that was always the plan from Jesus' life. The judgment due for all that vanity and ambition and doubt to fall on his shoulders. And he had every right to not quite be sure that God would work things out for the best. And yet he raised up not a tower, but his own body on a cross. And God was proved right in his plans, powerful enough to raise Jesus from the dead and good enough to do so. And one of the results of that is that the curse of Babel, the scattering, the different languages, starts to be reversed. People that have been scattered and divided by language start being brought back together under Jesus. And after all, we're meeting here tonight speaking a language that no one in Jesus' time would ever have understood. And yet we are meeting together as one with those throughout the whole world, every tribe and language and tongue, who bow at the name, not of ourselves, but of this gracious, governing Jesus. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we want to praise you because you are mighty and powerful, and you are gracious and good. We praise you that you do not hold our sins against us when we trust in Jesus. But you pardon us and promise to work all things, however bad they seem, for our good. Because you are the God who governs all things and is working still to bring all things together under Christ. 
For his name we pray. Amen.